You've probably heard about the devastating fire on the island of Maui, and I first um, heard about it earlier in this week. One of our staff members grew up in Molokai, and I was surprised when she told me that there was this raging wildfire there. I always assumed that there was so much rain in the Hawaiian Islands, it was always so humid that it's not like where we live. We, we know that we live in a place of extreme fire danger. And last count, I think over 90 people um, died from the fire. It's probably more than that. The um, historic town of Lahaina was completely destroyed. And we need to remember to pray for those there. And maybe there's other ways that we can help them. There's, I think, a sign of hope, though. I haven't looked into it much, but there's initial reports that the historic Catholic church in that town was not damaged by the fire. We have in our readings today um, powerful forces of nature. A strong wind that crushes rocks, an earthquake, a fire, and in the gospel, a storm on the sea. Elijah was taking shelter in a cave on Mount Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai. You may remember that is where Moses encountered the Lord and where the Lord gave him the Ten Commandments. And these natural disasters, these, these violent forces of nature, I think symbolize all the powerful forces of chaos, those powerful forces that threaten to overwhelm us and to destroy us. And, of course, these don't have to be physical forces like that. I think it's, in a figurative sense, we can understand the storm to be any overwhelming crisis. It could be financial, relational, a matter of personal, physical, or mental health. So what was Elijah doing on Mount Horeb in that cave? Why wasn't he where, we, where he was before, you know, in, in the uh, central cities of northern Israel, acting as God's prophet. Well, he was running for his life. So he was fleeing Queen Jezebel, who ordered her soldiers to find him and to kill him. And he is, at this point, he's, he's done. He's exhausted physically, emotionally, spiritually. He tells God he wants to die. He tells God he doesn't want to be a prophet anymore. He wants to give up. And the apostles, I'm sure... Uh, after many hours they're battling these winds and waves, they are at their limits. And to top it all off, then they see a figure walking to them on the water. They don't know initially who it is. They think it's a ghost. So it's like something from a horror movie. But then Jesus speaks to them and he says, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. This, brothers and sisters, is the small, silent voice of God. So remember, God, God had told Elijah he was, he was going to pass by, but he wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the earthquake, he wasn't in the winds, right? But he was in that small, silent voice. And indeed, this is what God says to us in the middle of the storm. Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Now many people only turn to God when they've tried everything else. They see God as a last resort. There was an atheist who was walking through the forest one day. He was appreciating the beauty that mindless forces of evolution had caused when he sees uh, one of those products of the mindless forces of evolution, a, a bear. And unfortunately for him, the bear saw him and began to approach him. And, 
Now he knew you, were, you can outrun a bear, but nevertheless, the instinct of fear took in. He began to run. The bear was running after him, catching up on him, and he fell. The bear was right on top of him. He was on his back, and he screams out, God, help me. And all of a sudden, the bear just freezes. And in fact, the whole forest became still, no sound, no movement. And a bright light appeared, and he heard God speak back to him. He said, he said are you asking now for my help after your whole life of not believing in me and teaching others to do the same? Are you now going to follow me as a believer? The atheist thought for a moment and said, I don't think I'm ready to do that, but maybe God, you could do me this one favor. Make the bear a Christian. <laughs> and the light went away and the, he began, the birds began to chirp and the wind blew and the stream started to flow again and and the bear began to move and brought his paw, which had been raised to strike the man, brought it down to meet the other paw. And the bear said, Bless us, O Lord, and these are gifts which you're about to receive. <laughs> Every week I have meetings in my office uh, with people who are in some kind of profound crisis. And, and oftentimes they've, um, they've tried everything they, they could of their own means and resources to resolve the crisis. And it's more than they can handle, and they're thinking, maybe I need to come to the church. Maybe I need God's help. Now, Peter, he hears the voice of Christ. In fact, he hears the voice of Christ, which assures him so much that he asks Christ, you know, bid me to come to you on the water. And indeed, Peter begins to walk on water. Peter desires to share in the life and power of Jesus, which is a good desire. But he begins to sink. And something similar happens to him. You know, the Last Supper, he's so bold. He says, even if everyone else denies you, Lord, I will never deny you. And in less than 24 hours, he was denying Jesus. So why does Peter sink? It's a small detail in our gospel. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. When he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. What was he doing? He stopped looking at Jesus, and he was focusing instead on the storm. And the same thing will happen to us in our lives. If we focus on those threatening circumstances, difficult circumstances, and, and not focusing on Jesus, we'll sink. You know, we look at the storm and we say to ourselves, I can't handle this. But if we listen to the quiet voice of God, what do we hear? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We look at the storm, we say, I'm all alone, I've been abandoned. But if we listen to the quiet voice of God, what do we hear? Neither death nor life nor anything else can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So how do we focus on Christ and not on the storm? This is what prayer is for. Prayer is to learn to listen to the whisper of God, that still quiet voice, even when the circumstances, obstacles, enemies are shouting. And I think we have two models of prayer, or two different maybe modes or ways of praying that are shown to us in the readings today. The first exemplified by Elijah is set aside time for prayer, where we really try to be quiet and pray deeply. And the second which is modeled by Peter, is the prayer in the moment, the prayer in the moment of the crisis. 
So I encourage you to go back and look at the 19th chapter in Kings where our first reading came from because we have to only, you know, we only can take selections of, of each, you know, each um, section there. But right before and after something very, very important that happens, God has a conversation with Elijah before and after. And the, the content of the conversation is the same. So Elijah in the mountain and God asks him, what are you doing here? Why are you here, Elijah? This is a profound question. And since all the time that we, when we take time to be with the Lord and conversation with the Lord, it's an implicit question that he's asking us and that we need to ask ourselves. Why are you here? Why are you here at this moment in your life with the things that are happening in your life? Um, what promptings or call of God have you followed that's brought you here? What, what maybe decisions have you made or not made that have caused, where you, caused you to be where you, where you are at now? Right? Um, you know, how, how is this all working out? How did I get here? Why am I here? And Elijah responds to, to the Lord. He responds, again, the same way both times. He basically says this. I'm here because I've been zealous for the Lord God. I've been, I've been advocating for you, Lord, the only one in all of Israel to do so. I've been all alone. I've done everything I could, and it hasn't been enough. God answers Elijah with very specific instructions. This is what he says. He says, there's this guy named Hazael. You are to anoint him king of Aram. There's this guy, Jehu. And I think Elijah knew these guys, right? You are to anoint him the king of Israel. And then there's this guy, Elisha, which you are to anoint as your successor prophet. What is God saying to him? Elijah, you are not meant to do this alone. There are others that I have chosen to help you. Right? And so God basically answers his prayer by helping him to see the people that are supposed to be helping him. And in fact, with their help, he is victorious. Elijah is only enlightened after he learns to listen to the quiet voice of God. Now, Peter, as I said, models for us that prayer in the moment of difficulty. As he is sinking, he cries out, Lord, save me. Right? This is something even an atheist who's about to be eaten by a bear can say. <laughs> Lord, save me. And, but interestingly, oftentimes we Christians don't pray to God in the moment of the crisis. We don't pray to God when we're being tempted. And so we need to do that instinctively. And not only to God for God to save us, but we need to learn to, um, other prayers in the moment. Like whenever we appreciate the goodness of God that comes to us through his creation or direct grace in our souls, we need to pray, thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Holy are you, Lord. When someone comes to us and they're in difficulty, we need to learn to instinctively, even interiorly, if not even out outwardly with them, ask God to help them and to save them. When we've realized we've done something wrong, we don't have to even wait for confession, although we need to if it's a serious sin to come to confession, but we can always say, Lord, forgive me. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus rebukes Peter and says that he has little faith. And it's true. He did not have faith enough to walk on water. But Peter had faith enough to call upon Jesus to save him. And Jesus did and grabbed his hand and lifted him up. 
Brothers and sisters, strong winds are coming. Earthquakes and fire, storms will come. And the Lord is not in these. In fact, He probably is allowing them precisely so that we can realize our own limits and our need for Him. And so we need to learn to listen to His quiet voice speaking to our hearts. And He will let us know what we need to do.